Somebody do it unto the Lord right now. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be in Kansas tonight. I'm excited about the presence of the Lord that I feel in this place. I'm going to tell you something tonight. That uh, I made a statement last night or quoted a scripture last night to the church. And I simply quoted this scripture that the anointing destroys the yoke. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and step out on a limb and just tell you what I feel in my spirit tonight. Pastor said that one of these nights, he said it last night, that one of these nights it's going to be such an anointing in here that the the yoke will be destroyed. But I'm just going to step out on a limb and I'm just going to say what I feel in my spirit. I feel that that anointing is in this building tonight. And I'm telling you, if you hold back on your worship, come on. If you sit back and hold back on your worship, then your blessing you won't receive. But I'm not coming here to sit by and watch the devil take another service. But I have come to see the destroying of the yoke of bondage. Some of you don't understand what praise really does for you. And before the end of this service, I hope that I can uh, give you a clear description of what praise can do for you. The Bible says in Psalms 150, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. You're in His sanctuary. You're in His domain tonight. So you have a right. You have a right to praise the Lord. Bible goes on to say praise him in the permanent of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Has God been good to you? Has God been great to you? Well then you need to give God just a little bit of praise right now. Oh it goes on to say praise him the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with a suffering heart. Praise him with a timbrel and a dance. Where'd that tambourine go? Praise him with a timbrel and a dance. Hey, just because I'm preaching don't mean I'm going to stop worshiping. No telling what you might see me do. You ask the people at New Life Pentecostal Church. I've been known to do some flips. I've been known to stand on the pulpit. I've been known to run the aisles. There's no telling what might happen. But I'm telling you that I'm doing it because I love the one who went to the cross. Who shed his blood for me. I can praise God nonstop. And I still couldn't give him enough praise for what he's done for me. For what he did for you. I'm telling you, it's our purpose to praise God. Praise him with the string instruments and an organ. Praise him upon the loud sounding cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. You say, preacher... Well, I don't play an instrument. So, I can't keep a beat. So, I can't do a little dance just right. So, 
Your dance is not supposed to be organized. Your praise is not supposed to be organized. Your praise is supposed to come from the depths of your heart. You need to praise God the way you know how to praise Him. Because if you try praising Him like somebody else, you're not going to get your breakthrough. But if you begin to praise God like only you know how, there's nothing that God will withhold from you. You say, preacher, I just don't fit in none of those categories. That's all right. Because I'm just to put you in the category you fall into. The Bible says in one, uh, Psalms 150 verse 6, Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Satan, you listen up. I'm not going to stop praising him just because you think you got a hold on me. To stop praising him just because you think you stepped in the house of God and try to disrupt the service. But I'm gonna praise him, I'm gonna praise him, I'm gonna praise him. Some of you come in this place tonight and you're bound. I'm just going to state it just like I see it and just like I feel it. You've come in this place and the cares of life have weighed you down and it's kept you in your pew. And you said, well, maybe if they'll sing that song one more time, I'll get on out. Quit using excuses and get yourself out of that pew and begin to give God some praise. begin to speak to me on a subject and I begin to write down notes and I don't normally preach from a lot of notes I just try to follow the Holy Ghost but I try to write somehow and then I just begin to write notes and notes and notes today and begin to do a lot of research and then I come in the house of the Lord and the Lord just changes the direction but you know what as long as I follow after the Holy Ghost everything's going to be alright some of you have come in this place tonight and you're so bound and out and down and out that you can barely lift your hands. You're so down and out that you can barely do your dance. You're so down and out that you can barely lift your voice and give God some praise. But I'm telling you, if you'll just begin to praise the Almighty God, there's nothing that can stop you from receiving your miracle. tonight you've come in this place and you're like this you're all empty you're all empty somebody's done took advantage of you or or the devil has done beat you up so bad that you've come to the house of God and you're just like this you're so empty inside that you're reaching out and trying to grab a hold of everything that you can get your hands on 
and I hate to say it, but some of you have grabbed a hold of some things that is not of God, and you're trying to seek and find some longing and some happiness. But I'm telling you, the only happiness that you can find is in the presence of the Almighty God. I'm feeling an anointing so strong right now. Oh, I would dare the devil to come stand me face to face. I'm telling you that there's nothing impossible with my God. There is nothing impossible with my God. Oh, something last night at the end of service pastor began to uh, 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 tell the story about two men in the Bible man I wasn't even going to do this but I feel the Holy Ghost moving me to do this so I'm going to do it I'm going to obey God I'm going to obey God that's all I know how to do so if you look if you come tonight looking for a show to be put on well you might as well go back home because I didn't come to put on no show I didn't come for you to see what I have on I didn't come for you to see what kind of style I have because I'm telling you, if some of you come to look at what kind of style I have, you've been let down already because I was raised in the old time in Pentecost. I don't know nothing about this new fad, nothing about this new style. I try to keep up, but I'm telling you, I just know how to come to the house of God and have a little bit of Holy Ghost praise and a little bit of Holy Ghost church. Well, I've lost some of you already, but I don't care. I'm going to preach on through it anyhow. If you come tonight and you fixed your hair a certain way so that some young man can look at you, or if some young man come in here and you fixed your hair a certain way and you dressed up a certain way just so some young lady can look at you, well, guess what? You're going to leave here empty just like you came. But I believe there's some young people in Old Lake of Kansas tonight who has come not to be looked upon. You didn't come to be a spectator, but you come to be a participator in the things that God is wanting to do in this place. Well, Acts chapter 16 talks about two men, Paul and Silas. They were doing the work for God. And isn't it just something when the church begins to do something for God and it begins to make forward progress, the devil always sticks his ugly head. He sticks it right up. But you know what he's like? He's like one of these moles. He sticks his head up and the next minute he's gone. He can't stay around too long. Because he knows if some Holy Ghost people begin to praise God that he cannot stay in the presence of God. You see why? Because he was once in heaven. He was once over the or, uh, over the music. Uh, but he decided to get a little high-minded. When you decide to get a little high-minded, Jesus has to kick you in the seat of the bridges sometimes just to bring you back to reality. Well, that was free. That was free. Anyhow, these two men, they were doing work for God. Amen. Uh, well, the devil just decided to try to throw havoc in their party. You see, man, there's nothing like a Holy Ghost party. I don't know about you, 
And I'm telling you, there is nothing like some Holy Ghost. Shout your hair down. Shout your shirt untucked. Shout your tie off. Don't get undressed because that's ungodly. But go ahead and shout until you give God everything you can give Him. I'm telling you, there's nothing like a good old fashioned shout down Holy Ghost party. Some of you have sit in your pew and I seen this gentleman in that wheelchair as he rode around these aisles and you sit there like a bunch of nuts on a log and you let somebody else steal your praise. Shame on you! Shame on you! I said, shame on you who sit in your pew and you let the devil on your life and you say God I can't seem to break this chain I can't seem to break this bondage but I haven't seen you get out in the aisle and shout not one time I'm telling you there is power in your praise there is power in your I feel that spirit trying to stick its head up. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm an anointed man of God, and I don't say that in a proud way. But I have been anointed, and I have been sent here to run every devil in hell back to where it came from. So if you come here tonight, and you brought a devil with you, I've come to send it back to hell where it came from. you need to get out and run the aisles. Some of you need to get out of your pew and just give God the best for the next five, ten minutes. story. I don't have any notes. I don't have any notes at all. I'm throwing this back here to the side. I have no notes. I'm just going to follow after the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you that I am sick and tired of coming to church and I see our young people as they sit in the pew and they do nothing for God. Some of you young people, you've allowed your parents to shout you because you're too prideful in the way you look this service was not meant for your parents and it's good that they're here and it's good they're getting a blessing but this service was designed for the young people to get a breakthrough for the young people to get something from God but God's not going to give you anything if you're sitting in your pew and doing nothing There is power in your praise. Power in your praise. Oh, 
sit there and laugh at me all you want to but I didn't come to church for you to look at me and for you to uh, say look at what he's doing but I come to give my very best to the God who gave his all for me what you don't understand is I'm going to get back to my story. Just hold on. But what you don't understand is. All right. Come on now. Is that you and I. We were unworthy. That's right. You see, Jesus, God didn't rope himself in flesh uh, to, to even come for us. Right. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. He come for his people. But I'm so thankful that his people rejected him and he turned to a people that were so unworthy and were so uh, uh, inadequate for Jesus. But he came and he rode himself in flesh. And now I've got power to speak to the blinded eye and it's got to be open. Oh, I feel that doubt in spirit. I said, you and I have the power to speak to the blinded eye. And it's got to be open. You and I have the power to speak to the deaf ear. And it's got to be open. You and I have the power to speak to the dead. And they have to live. Well, I'm telling you. You know what we're lacking in our churches? That's miracles. I'm just 22 years of age. Just 22 years old. That's it. That's all. That's all. Come on. But I am so tired of of hearing about past miracles. I am so tired of hearing about people who were set free from chains that bound them. And we are not seeing that in our churches. Where in the world have we gone wrong? I'm going to tell you where we went wrong. We quit praising God. We quit giving God the credit that he deserves. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. We've quit lifting up the name of Jesus. That's why our churches are barren. That's why we're not seeing revival. Because we've so many times took credit on ourselves. But it's not us. It's not about me. It's not about you. But it's the God that's in me. It's the God that's in me. All right, I'm going to go back. Paul and Silas. Maybe I won't see another rabbit chasing. That's just an old Mississippi statement. I'm sorry. I know I'm not in Mississippi anymore. Uh, but anyhow. Come on. And I haven't sweated like this in a long time. Hallelujah. Paul and Silas casted out the devil from the woman of her divination. I was following them trying to cause problems. Come on, come on. You see, like I said before, when the church starts making progress, the devil always tries to stir up something to get us to quit. But some of us need to get like Paul and Silas, and we need to say, you know what? Get out of her, devil. 
Wait a minute. Let me say that again. Get out of her, devil. Get out of him, devil. For so long, we have cowered down to the devil. I'm just telling the truth. I'm like the pastor. I don't lie in church. I'm just going to tell you the problem we're having. The problem we're having is we've cowered down to the devil for so long that the devil comes in and he, he, he uh, when this starts happening, well, we go and do this. When this starts happening, we turn around and run from that. But I'm tired of running from the devil. I preached last night. When you've had enough, I'm telling you, when you've had enough, you'll quit running from the devil. I said, when you've had enough, you'll quit running from the enemy. You know what? Our military personnel, they were not trained to run from the enemy. But they were trained that when the enemy come into them, that they go forward. They don't run backward and try to hide in a hole somewhere. But they've been trained to fight the enemy head on, toe to toe, face to face, and do everything they can to destroy them. That's why we've got the freedom that we have. That's why we've got the liberty that we have. Well, let me tell you what we need to do in the spiritual realm. We need to stand toe to toe with the enemy. And we'll begin to have the freedom that we deserve the freedom that we need I'm telling you we'll see blinded eyes open we'll see deaf ears oh shut up we'll see them open we'll see the lame walk we'll see the dumb talk we'll see those that are bound by spirits free from the spirit of depression oppression alcohol drugs prostitution Profanity, fornication, adultery, unmoral living. You want to start seeing those people set free? Begin to give God some praise. So Paul and Silas cast the demon out. They stirred up some trouble. Yeah. They got in trouble. Yeah. Didn't get in trouble by God. They got in trouble by the people that were around them. Amen. Because some men lost their job. Come on now. Come on. Some men were put out of work. Come on now. Oh, hallelujah. So they were mad. So they thought that they, thought that they would throw the two preachers in prison. Uh-huh. They thought that that was going to stop them. Yeah. Right. So they threw them in prison. And the Bible says, when they had laid, verse 23 of uh, Acts 16 says, when they had laid many stripes upon them, they, they cast them into the prison, char- charging the jailer to keep them safely. Amen. All right, listen to this. Verse 24, when the, when, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. All right. You see, they were not only in prison, they were in the middle of the prison. Let me tell you something. Come on. So many times we stay on the outskirts of the anointing. Yeah. Come on. We stand on the outskirts and we say, okay, God, if it's your will to be done, you do it. Well. It's God's will if you want it. Oh. If it's decent and in order. Right. If it's of God, He wants to do it. Right. Jesus. So we stand on the outskirts. They were charged to go into the inner prison. So they were in the inner prison. And the Bible says that 
It says in 25, and at midnight. Uh-huh. It's not midnight, but we can act like it's midnight around here. Uh-huh. Come on now. Come on. You know what? I take that back. It is midnight in the church hour. Yes. In the spiritual realm, it is past midnight. And it says at midnight. Midnight. Paul and Silas. Uh-huh. Pray. Prayed. Prayed. And sing praises unto God. Come here, brother. I'm tired anyway. They were sitting side by side. And I'm just going to give you a little picture of what I think went on. They were sitting side by side. And old Paul and Silas were sitting there beaten and bruised, bloody. And uh, a little, probably a little confused at the moment. And you know, they're looking at each other. And say, man, look what we got ourselves into. Look what kind of predicament we're in. Man, I just, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Man, all, all we did was cast the devil out. We sent the devil on the run. Look where we are. Man. And you know what? I can imagine this one of them looked at the other and said, You know, well, we were going our way to church. Why don't we just uh, have church right here? Some of us, we've been sitting and we're bound. And we're looking at each other trying to figure out what's going on. And we forget to pray and sing praises to God. But oh, Paul and Silas, they knew the one that could break their chains. Oh, Paul and Silas, they knew the one who could destroy the yoke. So I can just imagine as the one looked at the other and said, you know what? Let's sing that song. Well, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Well, can't nobody do me like the Lord. I said, can't nobody do me like Jesus. He's my friend. I can just imagine as all of a sudden that old Paul and Silas, Silas began to feel it over here. Well, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. And they couldn't move that much because you see they were bound hand and foot. But they said, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. And he told me to run on. Well, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. And he told me to run on. Well, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. And he told me to run on. Well, I can't run, but I'll just shout like I can, Silas. He's my friend. And all of a sudden, they felt a little shaking. Oh, let's keep singing. Okay, nobody. Oh, do me like Jesus. Okay, nobody. Do me like the Lord. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Paul got up and started dancing. All of a sudden, Silas got up and started dancing. And they looked around and the chains had fallen off of everybody around them. The doors were open. The bonds were loose. If I could do one, I'd do one. But I'm afraid I'd break my neck. But I'm telling you, that when the power, when the power of praise begins to be put into action, the power of praise begins to be put into action. Lord, person that may be sitting next to you with a problem when you begin to praise him 
You don't know what this is going to do for that one. You know, you can take so much of praise. And, and it's about like me right now. I'm running all over this place like a, like a wild rabbit. Just running everywhere. It's like that. When the anointing gets on you and it starts flowing and it starts going. And when it gets to the tip top, it doesn't stop. It does not stop with just you. When the anointing begins to be poured out, it's not like this bottle of water. Eventually it empties. But when Jesus begins to pour out the anointing, prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with all. My cup runneth over. I'm telling you when the anointing begins to be poured out it runs over. And the person next to you it gets a little splash on them. It gets a little splash on them. And all of a sudden you don't know what's about to take place. And all of a sudden the whole church is blown out in an explosion of praise. It's called an overflow. An overflow. An overflow. So the jailer, this is what happened to him. See, he, he didn't know nothing. He didn't know anything that was going on with old Paul and Silas. The Bible says in 27, says the keeper of the prison, uh, awakening out of his sleep. And yeah, when some of the people sitting beside you are asleep. When they're sitting there asleep. This church was never meant to be dead and dry. But I'm sorry, some are guilty of just sitting there. Well, when they're asleep and bound in their mess that they're bound in, and they keep saying, I want deliverance, but they won't ever wake up. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm not either. Um, they're bound, and they say, Well, I want, I want some freedom to worship. But they won't get out of their pew. I won't free from the chains that hold me bound. But you know what? I don't want to mess up my due time. Come on, come on, come on. Well, I paid about, I don't know, $20 for this time. Maybe maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I don't know. But I'm telling you something. If this tie is going to hold me back from praising God, I'll cut this thing up and throw it in the garbage can. I don't care if I pay $100 for a tie. If, I'm going, if it's going to hinder me from praising God, I'll cut that thing up and throw it in the garbage can because there's nothing going to stop me from getting my blessing. But some of you let the tie talk for you. Some of you let your suit talk for you. Well... I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just obeying the Holy Ghost now. I'm just going to obey him. Let me tell you something. When you, and I know I'm 22 years old, and I have respect for everyone in this place that's older than me. If you're younger than me, you have to have respect for me. It says, obey your elder. So you just listen up. But all of you that are older than me, I have respect for you. But I'm going to tell you something. When you get that self-righteous attitude that I can just do what I want to do, and God can bless me, then you're in some trouble. You know what? 
on Naaman. He come down with leprosy. And you know what the prophet told him to do? He said, go down to the river Jordan and dip. And you know what Naaman said? Naaman was so self-righteous that he said, you know what? The prophet didn't even come out to me. You know what? Praise God. Anyhow, he, you know, he said the preacher, he didn't, he didn't come shake my hand. He didn't come out. He didn't lay his hands on me and say, be clean. Come on, come on. He sent the servant out. Let me tell you something. When the pastor sends someone to tell you something, if it come from the pastor, you better heed to the word. when the message is delivered you're the one in trouble then if you don't do what the messenger said but anyway Naaman was self-righteous Man, the chief guard he was high ranked his servant you know the servant sent out he come out he said the prophet said go dip in the Jordan River he said man he said don't you realize that there's some cleaner water somewhere else why is he telling me to go down and dip in the sewer In the nasty water. And so, Naaman's self-righteous attitude that stank in the nostrils of God. When you have a self-righteous attitude and you're worried about what you've got on and the person standing beside you, you are stinking in the nostrils of God. You may have the most expensive perfume or cologne on. You may have the best deodorant on, but I'm telling you, your smell touches the throne of God and it stinks. It stinks. I'm going to say it again. It stinks. I want some of you to hear me. It stinks. Probably like I'm going to smell when this service is over. It stinks. I'll tell you something. There's, there's, there's nothing in this world that I hate more than something that stinks. When it stinks, I want to get away from it. Or I want to get away from it. If there's nothing like an old nasty dog come run up and jump all over you in your best clothes, or in any clothes for that matter, and he smells like a wet dog. And he jumps on you, it stinks. Well, that's the way it is when you have a self-righteous attitude and you go rubbing on somebody else. You make them stink. And I'm sorry, but if you've got a self-righteous attitude, you stay away from me because I don't want your stink on me. Well, that was free too. So, the keeper was awake, waking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open. And he drew out his sword to kill himself. You see, when things begin to take place, some people want to commit spiritual suicide. Oh, I don't know if I can handle that. I'm just going to back off. Well, you know, the Bible says he would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fleed. Fled, had been fled, sorry. Fleed, that's... Please. Praise God. I'm from Mississippi. I'm working on my vocabulary still. Fled. Amen. Kind of like a sled. It's fled. 
Amen. He said, but Paul, but Paul, but Paul, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sir, what must I do to be saved? When you begin to praise. When you begin to lift up the name of Jesus. Somebody who's been asleep is going to come running to you and say, Preacher, what must I do to be saved? What do I got to do? I'm going to tell you what you got to do. You got to repent. You got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching. I'm preaching about power and praise. Let me tell you something. You say, well, how do I get my power? I'm going to tell you right here. Acts 1 and 8 says, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Let me tell you something. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get that power, that power to praise. If you've stepped in this place tonight and you're backslidden at heart, you're cold at heart, or you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you something. You see what this preacher's all excited about, ecstatic about? Let me tell you what. If you get the Holy Ghost, you'll be just like I am. You'll be so happy. You'll be so fired up. You might even roll a little bit. I can't roll but one time on this platform. All right. Let me tell you something. What they did in the book of Acts, what they did in the, in the New Testament, did not die with the apostles. I'm sorry, I'm going to shut up in a minute, but I just feel it right now. Kind of like Pastor Rick, and I just feel it. I'm up right now. It did not die with them. We are the now day book of Acts. If we're not proclaiming this gospel, then we're not fulfilling the, the declaration that Jesus said to do. Proclamation, whatever. I'm using big words that some of them I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to act big up here. I'm up here on this platform with all these big preachers. We know what you're saying. Come on. That's why I come to learn. I learn. I come to learn. And I'm going to preach while I'm here. I'm just going to preach like an old southern boy from Mississippi. You may move me to Kansas, but I don't know if it'll ever take the Mississippi out of me. But anyhow, I'm going to tell you something. If we are not seeing miracles take place. I told this pastor yesterday. I said, Pastor, I said, let me tell you something. You know what my desire is? My desire is to see miracles take place. I'm going to preach my burden for the next few minutes now. I desire to see people who are bound by sin see them set free. People who have been
have been bound by drugs for years and AAA couldn't do nothing for them. Rehab couldn't deliver them. But Jesus! Let me tell you something. Let me, let me just tell you a short version of my life. I was born in an apostolic church. I knew what it was like to feel the Holy Ghost. But there come a time in my life where I had to get it for myself. And let me tell you something. I fought with bitterness because people did things to me that I thought wasn't fair and I thought wasn't right. And I wandered away from the things of God. And I began to party it up and live a life of sin. I began to drink. I began to indulge in things of sin. I was addicted to alcohol by the age of 18. I was addicted to cigarettes by the age of 18. I was bound by sin. And I'm telling you that I tell there is nothing greater than the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you that same power, that same power that delivered me, that set me free. Hey, 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 didn't do it for me. I never tried rehab. I never tried the AAA program. But I know who I did try. And that was Jesus. And when I found the place on an altar. And I said God. I said God. I'm tired of living this life. I can relate to some of you. Who, are, who have been bound by alcohol, who have been bound by cigarettes, who have been bound by things in this life. I'm telling you that, that it's a miserable life. And my dad, I can remember nights laying in my bed and my mother praying and crying to God and I would lay there miserably in a drunken stupor because I didn't know what was going on or what was around me. I barely got myself in the house but when I began to hear that mother's tears go forth I'm telling you there's nothing like a mama who will lay up in the middle of the night and say God save my baby. I was so miserable at times that I would get up and I would leave because I was under so much conviction because I knew what was right. I knew that God could deliver me and set me free, but I just wasn't ready to let go of it. But I'm telling you that I got to the point where I lost just about everything that I had. I lost everything that I had. Friends, girlfriend, everything. I was popular, man. I was cool. I had a nice ride. I had everything going for me, Brother Regan. I had the life that I wanted. But let me tell you something. When God was ready to call me, he said, you know what, boy? You can run for so long. Oh, but you cannot hide from me. You cannot hide from the anointing that I placed on your life. You cannot run from this. And so, at a desperate point in my life, I come in contact with my pastor now, Pastor Elliot Rutland from Georgetown, Mississippi. I come in contact with him. My dad's a pastor. But I'm going to tell you something. I had heard it preached from dad and mom for so long that I was sick and tired of hearing it. But when it come from someone else, when someone else showed that they cared for me and they loved me, you know what? I said, I said, you know what? This man cares. This man is a real man of God. Just like this pastor right here. 
I fell in love with his spirit. The first night I laid eyes on him, I knew that God put us together for a reason because he is just like my pastor and he is my pastor while I'm here. And let me tell you something. If this man says do it, don't, don't you hold back. Don't say, well, pastor, I don't understand it. Just say, okay, you're the man of God. He's the one standing on the wall. He's the one looking out for your soul. You're not looking out for your soul, but he's the one laying awake at night. He's the one crying out for your soul. He's the one when God moves on him and you're asleep. He's awake crying before God and saying, God, save them. I feel the transition in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm just going to open God. Come here, Brother Regan. Come here. This man right here, look at him as Moses. The Moses and the Israelites were just set free out of the land of Egypt. And they were pursued by Amalek. And they were in war with Amalek. And Moses goes on top of the mountain. Come here, brother. Come here, let me use you. Moses was on top of the mountain. And Aaron and her went with him. You see, the man of God, there's some things that he just cannot do alone. And so he went to the mountaintop. And the man of God began to put his arms up. And the people of God began to prevail. The children of Israel began to prevail. But I'm telling you that there's so much that the pastor can handle. That when weights begin to be put on him, that his hands begin to be lowered. And then the enemy began to prevail. But you know what? He began, he said, I just can't let them lose. I, I, I care about them so much. I just can't see them lost. I can't see them lose out. So I'll put my hands up just as long as I can. And they begin to weigh down on him again. They begin to weigh down on him again. And they begin to lose. And all of a sudden, I can just imagine as Aaron and her looked down and said, you know what? I just seen a cousin die. I just seen a brother die. I just seen my father die. I'm not going to let this man do it by himself. So they held the hands of the man of God. I'm telling you that some of you in this place, you've been fighting the hands of the man of God. But you need to change positions and begin to hold up your man of God. be saved without a preacher quit bucking the pulpit just because it doesn't fit your status quo just because it doesn't fit your agenda I don't know why I'm saying this but I'm just feeling in the Holy Ghost this man of God stands behind this pulpit and he preaches the word of the Lord and you know what he's your boy he's your your median between God and when you buck him you're bucking God when you say I don't have to do it that way you're telling God I don't have to do it that way and God gets tired of people who are rebellious the Bible says that rebellion is a sin of witchcraft let me tell you something. Saul rebelled and began to do things his way. Saul said, you know what? I can handle it. I don't need the man of God in my life. You know what? The pastor, he's not coming when I think it should come. He's not getting here. I think I'll go ahead and prepare the, prepare the altar myself. They, he began to put on duties that, was, that did not belong to him. He began to do things. He was anointed king, but he was not the anointed man of God. Yes. You and I are anointed to go out 
and preach, uh, go out and teach people and compel them to come. But it's this man of God's job to preach, thus saith the word of the Lord. And it is not your responsibility to tell people that come in the house of God that they need to clean their act up. Because you know why? You were told to go catch the fish. It's his job and God's job to clean the fish. And so Saul, God turned him over to a reprobate mind. You see, Saul was told to kill the Amalekite, every one of them, because God was angry with them, because of what they'd done to the children of Israel. He was angry. He was furious. And he, he said, you know what? He said, I want you, Saul, to go kill every one of them. Don't you save a one. Don't you save a baby. Don't you save a man. Don't you save the king. Don't you save anything. Wipe them out. And that's pretty cruel. Yeah, it is. You know what? But God was so tired of the Amalekites. But Saul said, you know what I'll do? I'll spare the king. I'll spare the best of the land. So he spared them. Sure did. But you know what? On over in 2 Samuel chapter 1, Saul and Jonathan was in battle. Read it. It's in there. 2 Samuel chapter 1. They were in battle. Saul had fell on his own sword because they were losing. And along came a young man. And he said, you know, he fell, he seen him there leaning on his sword and he was in pain. And Saul said, you know what, please just come, come finish me off. Come cut my head off. Just be done with me. So he did. So this young man brought news to David. He said, Saul and Jonathan are dead. He said, how do you know? He said, because I took his life. He said, well, who are you? He said, I am an Amalekite. When God tells you to destroy something. When this preacher tells you to go home and clean your home. Clean up your home. Clean out your closet. Clean out your CD case. Clean out your stuff. And you leave it there. That sin will eventually kill you. Saul had no intention of losing his life to an Amalekite. But because he left the seed, he left the seed of the Amalekites. It began to reproduce. And then all of a sudden, the sin was so big that it destroyed Saul. In the end, I'm telling you, you better listen to this evangelist. You better go home and do what the man of God says do. You better go home and obey what the man of God says do. Because if you don't, you will see destruction. I'm going to tell you something The only way to avoid that Is to begin to praise him Praise Breaks every bond What you don't realize is Some of you tonight I know you sit down on me and that's okay I'm, I'm, I'm done Come to the music please Are you what you don't realize is, is that the atmosphere of praise that you have set in this place. Uh, 
is about to destroy some yokes that have bound people for so long. It has literally almost destroyed them because maybe they've been rebellious against the pulpit. Maybe they have uh, not obeyed what the man of God says. Or maybe they have just been seeking for something in things of this world that they could not find. But I'm telling you that your praise has set an atmosphere. Uh, Don't be quiet on me yet. We're about to be done, I promise you. Let me tell you something. If you were in the the New Testament... They just begin started right now. Right. They praised God and preached all night long. Paul was a long-winded preacher. Uh-huh. Amen. Right. Kind of like me tonight. I'm not normally this long, but anyway. But I'm telling you, you have set the atmosphere for some people to get their breakthrough. I'm gonna tell you something. If you come in this place tonight, I'm talking to people that need something from God. If you have come here. And you need a touch from God. If you want to be set free, I want you to come to this front. Don't be ashamed. Don't be scared of what somebody's going to think of you. Because I'm telling you, when you get desperate enough, you're not going to worry about what people think about you. I'm telling you, when I got tired of living my lifestyle... Didn't nobody have to pull me to the altar. I fell on the altar and said, God, I want you, I'm tired of this. I want you to take every bit of it. And you know what? He did something that AAA couldn't do, rehab couldn't do. He delivered me instantly. I didn't have to go through the six steps, the ten steps, the twelve steps. He immediately. I never touched another cigarette. I never touched another beer. I'm telling you, God delivered me. And let me tell you something. God, that same delivering power is in this place tonight. And there's no other way to end this service than it went out with a bang. We need to go out with a big boom. An atomic bomb. It's real small. Kind of like me. It's real little. Let me tell you something. When you set that joker off, it'll destroy hundreds of miles. I'm telling you, when when they dropped the, the atomic bomb on Hiroshima, man, it did some damage. Well, God is about to drop an atomic bomb on New Life Pentecostal Church, and I'm telling you, some chains are going to be broke. Some chains are going to be loosed. Some people are going to be set free. Come on. I want you to come right now. I want you to come right now. If you're tired of living your lifestyle, if you're tired of being bound by depression, oppression, just things of life, maybe you're not bound by alcohol or cigarettes or drugs, but you are bound by depression where the enemy has just jumped on your shoulder and has lied to you for so long. If you're sick and tired of that, won't you come? Won't you let God deliver you tonight? Oh, come on. All right. Why don't everybody come? Everybody come gather around the front tonight. Come on. Just gather around the front as much as can be permitted. Just come gather around. I know some people are are a little scared to get out. But just get out of your pew. And we're going to praise. And we're going to sing. And we're going to shout. And I might shout my tie off. And we're just going to have a Holy Ghost blowout. All right. Are you ready? Are you ready? 
Oh, come on now. Are you ready for the next 10, 15 minutes? One, two, three. Come on, begin to praise him. Begin to get ecstatic right now. Uh-oh. Oh, I can't. 
heard this evening, as we heard preach this evening, he was instructing us that we needed to make sure that we, whatever the pastor told us to do, we needed to do. And uh, I, I believe this evening, as as I, I was praying for the service, I believe that what y'all don't realize is that what you do as saints vastly influences the move of the Holy Ghost in the service. Now, when you are not right with God, you tie up a service. So we could have a blowout, but we have to get rid of the stuff in the way. You can't really have a nice explosion as long as the explosion is contained. You have to have a way for it to break through something. An explosion's got to have a means. If you you can have an you can set off an explosion and it's going to expand, but if if the container's strong enough, it will never get beyond the borders of that container. What our problem tonight is is that we have some folks in here that have some really tight containers. You can't let that explosion loose because of the sin in your life. And the, pat, the preacher this evening mentioned the sin, and that is that you're not listening to your pastor. You're not listening to your pastor. Now, I'm not pastor of this church, Brother Riggin, but you are not supreme. You are not controlling. You are not in charge of your pastor. You do not choose your pastor. Sorry, but you don't choose your pastor. God put you where you belong. And you don't choose your pastor. So therefore, you don't choose what your pastor does. You don't tell him he's right. You don't tell him he's wrong. You don't instruct him in how he needs to pastor you. Just as a child doesn't instruct the parent how the parent is to run the household. You do what your pastor tells you. If you are at odds with your pastor, you bound the service. It's a truth. If you are at odds with your pastor tonight, you have bound this service. The reason we're not seeing what we need to see in this church tonight, which I believe we could, is that you're binding the service. You are not following the directions your pastor gave you. It's the truth. It's the truth. I can tell you. I can tell y'all who a few of you are. I know of four. I know of four in this place that are binding the service. Yes, Problem is, folks, you know who you are. Why would you want to bind the service? Why would you want to bind the man of God? Why would you want to bind the move of the Holy Ghost? What are you playing church for? I, I'm not sure I understand why. You say, well, brother, were you just messing with the service? No. I'm sitting here feeling this going on. I am feeling this in the Holy Ghost. God is trying to move and we got these roadblocks. People acting like they got the Holy Ghost, but they don't have it. They don't have the goods. 
And, and they're trying to control the man of God. Let me tell you something. As long as you're trying to muzzle the man of God, as long as you're trying to control the man of God, you are out of the will of God. You are not safe, folks. You're not safe. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. You cannot do this. If you really want a revival, you have to get out of the way. You have to get out of the way. This man can't lead you anywhere as long as you're in the way. As long as you're telling him what he's going to do or what he's not going to do. You need to back out of the way. You need to bust your walls down so that you can get beyond your borders. You need to quit lifting yourself up as if you're somebody. And you need to lift Jesus up because he is somebody. This is our issue tonight. You bust through so we can bust through. So if you've got something going on in your life, take care of it. Because we want to have church. We're sick and tired of busting through a service trying to take care of things. And you're in the way. So take care of it. Now, I've never been so tired of saints thinking they run the show. There is no show to run. This is all about God and what God wants to lead us to. It's not about you and your control. So if you're a control freak, just either back out, leave, whatever you got to do, but just let us go on and have revival. Pray through if you, I, I, we'd all rather you just pray through. And if you pray through, guess what? You're not changing churches. If you're praying through, you're also not negatively affecting the church of the living God. So I, I just, you ever feel that burden just come upon you? See, the enemy has bound it through several people in this service. Now, if you really want, if you really want to make the devil mad, if you really are spiritual, go to one and restore. Go pray for him. But you better watch out, folks. Now, I, I want to warn you of this. You go pray for somebody and you, you're not walking the way you ought to walk. When you lay your hands on them, you may get that same ugly spirit somebody else has got. And there are several people in this room with some ugly spirits. I, there really are several folks in this service with some ugly spirits. We need to take care of those. Now, I didn't want to throw a wet blanket on it. But I, I just want you all to know that that's what's going on here. We're trying real hard. It's like we're, we're trying. We're trying to get there. We're worshiping. We feel it. But somebody's messing with the service. There, there have been many times that God's tried to move in the, in the congregation. And we know that there have been people sitting there on idols. Sitting on their idols. They were sitting there on idols while the whole, the whole camp was messed up. Well, that's what's going on tonight. We've got some folks sitting on some idols. And the only way we're going to get this thing to really be where it's at is if those people that have their idols either get up off their idols, kick them out from under themselves, and really pray through. But when they do that, they're going to also pray through and take care of their problems with the pastor. If you pray through and you haven't taken care of your issues with the man of God, you haven't prayed through. 
That's the truth. That's the truth. I'm telling you. I, we, maybe we ought to start back singing again. But I want you all to know if you, you need to, I don't feel like we're done. I really don't. But I do think we need to be aware that there's some folks in here binding this service. At least four. But I want you to know that you can help them break through this. We can really have, folks, this is the most wonderful thing. We, we went for months without any fellowship. We went for a long time where it seemed like everything was falling apart. You couldn't trust a brother. You couldn't trust anything. It felt like the enemy was just coming in every way he could to try to make it seem like that there was no need to fellowship. But that's a lie from the pits of hell. Because we need to take care of this once and for all. We cannot and we will not put up with the devil walking in our midst. This is a church led by the power of the Holy Ghost. This is not a church led by the devil. And so we are not going to put up with him this evening. We're just going to put him in his place. And we're going to pray through these barriers. And we're going to pray through these people that need to pray through. So let's just worship. Let's just raise our hands and worship God. Let's get some music going if, we, if you'd so desire this evening. But let's get... Let's get a hold of the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to leave this place without breaking through it. I don't really want to leave this place. I didn't come here, folks. I didn't wait a month. Or however long it's been. I didn't wait a month or however long it's been just to play church. I really want to touch God. And I I think y'all do too. We're going to have to put more into it than what we've got. What we've been putting into it. If you're going to get something out of this service tonight, really get something out of service, you're going to have to push beyond. You're going to have to make the devil uncomfortable in our midst. Call sin, sin. Folks, we're going to have to just do it. So, Brother Riggin, I I don't know. I, I, I delivered what I've got. So I'm going to give it back. But uh, I'm not done praying. I, I may come and pray for some of you. Because I tell you what, the enemy is trying to bind the service, and it's not right. It is not right. It is not right to bind the service just because you're wrong with God. So my advice to you, if you're wrong with God, don't make us come to you. You just take care of it. Don't, don't put, put on a pretense that you're right. You come and take care of it. Hallelujah. I, I just, I felt a while ago that he needed to come say something. I sent somebody back there to get him. I said, Brother Ogle needs to come and say something tonight. Amen. And um, I will tell you, this is, this is what I told Brother Ward as you were talking, Brother Ogle. I believe this is the reason why this metro area has never really seen the revival it needs to see. It's because, because, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, pastors have accommodated Saints avoiding dealing with the issues in their life and just just run off somewhere else and not deal with the problem in their life. And then we get to fussing with each other and that's not even the problem. The problem is some saint that hadn't got things straightened out. But God's doing something. God's doing something around here. 
And God's bringing some men together. And God's, God's putting some things in our hearts. And I'm telling you, what we need are some saints of God that are going to just stand and say, All right, look, i got an issue, but I'm going to pray through that issue. I'm tired of feeling sorry for myself. I'm tired of whining and complaining. And I'm just going to find me an altar and pray through this. This is later than we usually stay at church, but if we had rented a basketball court, we'd, we'd just now be getting fired up. You'd be passing the ball. Well, they just passed the ball to me, so I got the ball. I'm running the court right now. Hallelujah. I'm going for a layup right about now. That's what I'm doing. Pass the ball off, Brother Ward. Let him dribble it for a while. Praise God. You know what, saints? I'm going to tell you something. We really, God has such a revival, not just for this church, but for this area. You know, you know, 111 years ago, A hundred and eleven years ago, just about 60 miles from here, there was a group of people praying and the Holy Ghost fell and started a revival. Now everybody talks about Azusa Street in Los Angeles, but if it hadn't been for Topeka, there wouldn't have been an Azusa Street. What, what a lot of the Trinitarians don't want to tell you is, is, is Charles Parham baptized in Jesus' name. Yeah. Yeah. He baptized in Jesus' name, brother yes. Lord. I'm telling you, they were seeking truth. They were looking for truth. They wanted truth. And the people got together. And when God decided to send a revival to this nation, he started it right in the heart of the country. There's some men here that we've got something stirring in our hearts right now. I'm not the only one that's feeling what I'm feeling. I'm not the only pastor that's stirred up right now and saying, God, it's time to start another revival. God's bringing some men together and we're going to stand together. And we want you saints to know we're going to stand together. And we're not going to let you hide your sins. And we're not going to let you pack them up and move them around. We've got some altars for you to get prayed through. We're going to break this thing wide open. And God's going to send a revival again. Well... You're getting tired. You're getting tired. Hallelujah. 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 
I, I want revival. I want, I want real Holy Ghost apostolic revival. I'm not talking about fog machines and strobe lights. And, I'm not talking about all that nonsense that some folks are calling revival. I'm talking about real apostolic revival. You know, another thing that folks don't want to tell you about Azusa Street and really it's, it's beginnings in Topeka. What a lot of folks don't know, and this is an absolute fact of history, is those folks, the way that that all started was a call back to holiness. That's what it is. That's the way it started. In fact, they looked around in the late 1800s and said the church is getting worldly. Now, that's a fact of history. They said the church is getting worldly and we got to get back to the Bible and find out what God wants. And that's why there was a group of people known as holiness people. It started in what was called the holiness movement. And they were searching the scripture to find out what God wanted them to quit doing that they'd been doing. What God wanted them to start doing that they hadn't been doing. Hallelujah. And that's what began the great revival. And that's what brought about the outpouring in Topeka. That's what brought about the revelation of Jesus' name. Amen. At at Arroyo Seco. That's what started it all was people that started on a quest to become holy again. To get away from sin. To get away from worldliness. To get away from ungodliness. In fact, in fact, oh, uh, uh, Seymour. Um. William Seymour that, that pastored the Azusa Street. I, I've got a book. He wrote in that book. He said if Pentecost ever gets to the place. That all it is is talking in tongues. And it's not holiness and separation. He said what they're going to do is open themselves for witchcraft and every abominable spirit that there is. That's what he said. Hallelujah. Amen. It was during that Azusa Street Revival. There was a message in tongues and interpretation. And the Lord said, the days is going to come in the last days that my people are going to, are going to praise a God that they don't pray to. And, and they're going to put emphasis on, on other things rather than the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Well, hallelujah. That's what they said. That's what God said a hundred years ago was going to happen. And honey, we've lived to see the day. But thank God there is something that's stirring in the hearts of some men. Amen. God is calling some men again. There are some John the Baptist that are arising again. That are preparing the way of the Lord. I'm telling you, it's revival time in Kansas City. It's revival time. take so much I'm going to hand the ball to this man for just a few minutes I'm going to let him do whatever he feels whatever he wants to say You just thank God for good friends I'm telling you <laughs> I mean that, thank God for good friends Amen, Amen Brother Reagan Yes sir The uh, 
Brother Reagan was talking about the church getting worldly. Brother Westberg said the world is getting churchy. Everybody's saved. Church is getting worldly and the world is getting churchy. Man, I was hoping Brother Reagan didn't give me the microphone. Well, I did. Brother Oldham, you were smack dab in the will of God for what you said. Oh, hallelujah. In an apostolic service, you don't know what God's going to do. Praise God. Praise God. We've been fighting the same spirit in our church, brother. Brother Reagan. It's the spirit of this area. I had a Missouri preacher to tell me that when they started church in Kansas City, they factored in about 20% of their numbers coming from other churches. Other oneness churches. Come on. That's never been the will of God. We're supposed to be factoring in saving sinners. Not church hopping. In your Bible, you may be seated. I want all of you from different churches, I want you to sit together in groups. I'm going to say something to you tonight. Amen. Every one of you sit together. Your group, group for church. Heart of America Church, our church over here, every church. Group together. Every church grouped together. Praise God. I want gaps between the groups so I can identify. Gaps between the groups. Okay, leave a pew between the groups so we know that they're separated. Sit on the front. Our church is right there in that corner right there. That's our assembly. Front, front. There you go. 
This one right here. Where's the gap? <laughs> Pardon me? Living way out the stall is from Ottawa County. From Ottawa? This whole section is right here? Okay. What is Brother Corsini and them doing there? You got Pastor Brad's permission? Hallelujah. Amen. And this group, where are you from? Leavenworth. Leavenworth. And that group back there, where are you from? All right. Looks like we got new life. New life. Hallelujah. My, my, my. How many of you want revival? Yes. You want revival? Let me see you wave your hand. Hallelujah. Looks like it's pretty unanimous. If there's someone in your church, in your assembly, that you have won to God since you've been going to that church, stand. Stand. If there's someone in your assembly now that you have won to God, God has used you to bring them to this truth, and they're still in the church, I want you to stand. 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 Is that all we can have, Stan? Now the command was, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So keep standing. And it's the will of God that we reproduce. That's right. You first got to save yourselves when you're sent to a generation, and then the command is for you to reach others. I tell my congregation, if you have not won a soul to God since you've been coming to church, you need to feel bad. You need to feel bad. As soon as the apostles got the Holy Ghost, they began to reach the world. Am I lying or am I telling the truth? As soon as they got the Holy Ghost, they began to reach the lost. Am I telling the truth? I told our assembly, if you have not won a soul to God, it's the will of God you produce. He said you go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Your job in the church is the same that God told Adam and Eve when he placed them upon the earth. Go multiply and replenish the earth. Spiritually, he's telling us to go into all the world and preach God for every creature. You cannot be saved if you don't reach for the lost. Right. 
Are you with me, church? Yes. Amen. Yes, sir. Revival starts with you. Yes. It doesn't start with the preacher. The preacher already has the burden and the preacher wants to see this church grow. You've got to catch or capture the vision of your pastor and the burden and reach the lost. You young people, I got the Holy Ghost when I was 17. Every service night, Bible study, Sunday, youth night, I had another young person sitting on the pew with me. Brother Corsamilla, I forgot your name, Brother Barry's church. Brother Kniff. Brother Barry is one of the ones that was sitting on the pew one service night. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he's pastoring in Manhattan. Brother Westbrook used to tell us, Brother Reagan, he said, one of these nights, he said, I'm going to command you not to come to church unless you bring somebody with you. Brother Wolfer and I used to go on 50-man fasts. On Saturdays, we wouldn't eat until we witnessed or invited 50 people to church. How bad do you want revival? How bad do you want revival? You got unsaved family? You got unsaved parents or young folks? You got work to do. My sister is in the church in Junction. My older sister. I went to witness to her, Brother Regan. Got a burden for her. There's a service like this that did it. And the preacher ordered all of us to go home and witness to our unsaved family members. So I went over to my sister's house. Knocked on the door. My brother-in-law had, you know, he drank beer and watched TV. He saw me coming. He looked out the door and saw me there. He put all the beer in the back of the refrigerator. <laughs> Turned the TV off. Amen. And I went in there and began to witness to my sister and her husband. And I was just following the instructions of the preacher, brother. Really? My sister said, boy, she said, I put diapers on you. She said, and I fed you. She said, you're going to come and tell me about God. She said, get out of my house. My sister kicked me out. A few days later, she said, God began to convict her and whip her. And she invited me back over and she apologized. And she started coming to church. She's in the church tonight.
You need to pray and fast for your family and reach for your family. Your family. And then reach for your friends. That's the mission we have in our church. Yeah, we got our battles. We're fighting the same battles as every other church. We got church hoppers. But that's never been the will of God. The will of God, brothers, brothers, taught us is to grow where you planted. Don't even look for another church until your pastor releases you. Now, those of you that are grouped in your Bible here, Joshua, chapter 6. Everybody say, Revival starts with me. Joshua 6. Verse 8. The enemy is the devil. Oh Lord, what should I say when Israel turned their backs before their enemies? For well, the Canaanites and all the heavens of the land shall hear it, and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? The Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For well, they have taken, even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Wherefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more except to destroy the accursed, except you destroy the accursed thing from among you. What we've got here, people of God, is we've got people that are carnal. And not spiritually minded. And that's why they can't win the lost. It's the will of God for you to win the lost. It should start with your family. Verse 13, up sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee. Brother, over you was on it. O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof. And the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households. And the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that has taken, that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire. He and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord. And because he hath wrought folly 
in Israel. And the rest of the story is to come down to Achan. And Achan couldn't worship. And the preachers, we can see tonight, who wasn't worshiping. And when you can't worship, there's sin in your life. Every church here tonight, this church right here in the front, Brother, Brother Ray, this is your congregation, along with this one right here, I'm asking you, as the saints before God, Is your heart right with God and is your heart right with your pastor? You don't have to answer that. I'm asking you. If not, I'm charging you before God to get right with God and get right with your pastor. And ask God to give you a burden for souls. So your church can grow. My church over there. Is your heart right with God and is your heart right with your pastor? The pastor knows his sheep. not, get your hearts right with God, and get your hearts right with your pastor. Brother Ogle's assembly back there, is your heart right with God, and is your heart right with your pastor? If not, same charge. Get your heart right with God and with your pastor. Brother Warren's assembly. Is your heart right with God? And is your heart right with your pastor? If not, the same charge. This assembly right here. Who's the pastor? Brother Bell? Is he here? He's not here. I charge you, is your heart right with God? And is your heart right with your pastor? If not, same charge. Over here. Is all of that, brother? Brother Calvert's. Brother Calvert's. 
Same here. Is your heart right with your pastor? Is your heart right with God? If not, the same charge. And ask the ball, brother, chaff. Good seeing you, brother Hill. Is your heart right with God? And is your heart right with your pastor? If not, the same charge. God's going all the way down to families. He did it back in Moses' day, and he does the same thing today. He goes right down to your house. The Lord is coming. And that day, that last day, the Lord's going to say two things. One of two things to you. My assemblies heard this all the time. I keep it before them. He's going to say, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And you shouted and you worshiped and you danced and you prayed. But your heart's not right with God. And it's not right with your pastor. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Or he's going to say, well done. Thou good and what? And what? And what? And God does not lie. If you have not been faithful, He's not going to say it. What I've learned, Brother Regan, one of God's biggest requirements, Brother Ogle. Is faithfulness. If you're faithful in the little things, Jesus said, you're going to be faithful in that which is much. So learn to be faithful in the little things. My congregation is charged tonight to read their Bible through this year. Reach for the lost and pray one hour every day. And I hold them to that. It starts with you. You are the church. And we've got to reach the lost. Or he's not going to say, well done. The charge is to go and reach the world. And if you can't reach the lost, if you can't point to someone in your assembly, say, God, thank you for letting me bring them to you. You need to feel bad and you need to be ashamed. If you want revival, do something about it. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
evangelize the church in Junction. We're working on evangelizing South Kansas City and Grandview. The only problem, we run into false apostles. Oh, hallelujah. Now, it's sad. When two people work on, on the job, one from, and I'm, not, I'm just going to use this as an example. These ain't real names. One from Brother Riggins' church and one from my church. And I allow splits, makeup, and jewelry, and Brother Riggins does not. And you're witnessing to the same person, and they're asking you about God. And then they ask you about, you know, you're the same church, but why do you do this and do this, and they do this and do that? But you're the same faith. I never run into that injunction, but when I come to Kansas City, that's what I run into. It looks like a division to me. And Paul said, I command you all to speak the same thing. And there can be no divisions among you. What we need to do is pray through, reach the laws, get right with God, and get in harmony. I don't care if you like me or not. I didn't ask you if you like me. And I don't care if you're my friend or, my, or not. Truth is truth. And the truth will prevail. The Bible said there's not supposed to be divisions among you if you have the same faith. Am I in the book, Brother Rick? And that's the problem with the oneness movement. And what God revealed to me, Brother Ogle, is that since the devil can't destroy the oneness church with sin, he'll destroy them with division. He'll keep them divided. And keep them fussing with each other and fighting with each other. And keep them against each other of the same faith. Come on. Am I telling the truth, church? What's wrong with that picture? Brother Rick said everything. The lack of unity. What happened on the day of Pentecost? They were all in one place, one mind, one accord. And suddenly. If we would pray through, get right with God, reach the lost, get in unity with one another, love one another. Yes, sir. Revival will come. So what do you know about revival, Pastor Ward? God allowed me to help build the church injunction. They told Brother Westberg that preaching holiness, he would never have a big church. And I'm told that all the time, right here in Kansas City, Brother Rick. And said, Pastor Ward, you would never have a big church preaching like this. Brother 3 stand. Brother 3 this man loves holiness. 
He said, don't compromise, Pastor Warren. Stand up, Sister Michelle. Her and her sisters. Say, stay in the book, Pastor Ward. That's just some of them. If you're a pastor... Now, Kansas City area is bad with church hopping. And people hop from one church and come to your church if you're a pastor. And if you don't call the pastor when people come to your church, you're not really a pastor. You're a hiring. And I'll tell any preacher that. I'm saying it tonight here. The apostles worked together. And you know who's destroying the churches? It's women and young people. Carnal women and carnal young people. And men that don't have a spine to stand up to their wives. And they let their wives run their house. I may never be a preacher again, and y'all may never have me to come to your church. But they did Brother Westberg the same way. God's going to judge men that don't run their households. And he's going to judge a woman for being out of her place. But he's going to hold the man accountable. And God's going to hold the preachers accountable for what takes place in their church. why most of the apostolic churches are full of fornication. The preacher don't want to deal with it. And mama and dad are going to take up for him. If you sit my child down, it's an embarrassment. The Bible says that fornication should not be named among you. How many times? How many times? Am I in the book, church? Am I in the book? How many times? You young folks, you young ladies, keep yourselves. You young men, keep yourselves. You can stop revival just like Brother Ogle said. God wants a clean church. You know, I'm not looking for popularity because this ain't popular. 
Carnal people hate this. People that don't have the mind of God, they hate this. They don't like this tonight. Hallelujah. Start in your house. Get right with God. Teach your children to pray. Get a prayer life in your home. And it will carry over into the church. And the church can have revival. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Now we had some young ladies, and I watched these young ladies keep their head, nobody looking around. The last fellowship meeting that we had, I saw some young ladies laughing and mocking during the worship and the song service. And I'm watching you. That shouldn't be in the church of God. You should be praying to get yourself right. So you can be saved and then reach for others. If you're going to get yourself right with God, if you're going to get yourself right with your pastor, raise your hand. Nobody's looking. Put your hands down. If you're going to start reaching for your family, your lost family, put forth effort. Call them. Go over their house. Become their friend. Love them. Tell them you want them to come to church with you. You're going to reach for your lost family. Raise your hand. Let me put your hands down. Now, if you're going to reach for your lost friends, raise your hand. Let me put your hands down. You can look at me. Tomorrow's Saturday. Who are you going to bring Sunday? You got a whole day to bring somebody to church Sunday. 
and you can help pray them through. Brother Course Amelia, you remember what Brother Barry said when he prayed through? You remember? Huh? Come up here, Brother Course Amelia. Don't say it. I want you to say it in the microphone where they can all hear you. Good seeing you, man. Tell them what Brother Barry did. He said uh, that he picked Brother Ward up in the air. He picked me up. And Stop parading me around the church. Around and was saying, this is what he was looking for. He said, this is what I was looking for. He picked me up and started carrying me around the church. Because <laughs> he was so happy that God allowed me to bring him to church. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost. When I brought him to church, I didn't try to pastor him. You know what I did? I turned Brother Barry and Brother Young over to Brother Westberg. I became their friends. We were friends. But I let Brother Westbrook pastor him. Don't try to pastor the ones you bring to God. Now I'm up in the air, Brother, Brother Regan. I said, Brother Barry, I said, put me down, put me down. There's no greater joy than you being in the house of God and you looking across the pew and you're looking at one that God allowed you to bring to him. You need to experience that type of joy. Look at them worship and shout. Lord, thank you for allowing me to bring them to you. And you can shout and run and worship with them. That's the kind of joy God wants you to have. Are you with me, church? Amen. Amen. You've got to love people. And get out of loving yourself. Well, I don't have time. What I've learned about people, Brother Reagan, they got time to do anything they want to do. That's what I've learned about people. You got time if you make it. You can make time. Hallelujah. Amen. This is why I hope Brother Regan didn't give me the microphone. But now I put the burden on your back. It's all stand. Who are you going to bring to church Sunday? Well, nobody would come. Well, as long as you have that attitude, as long as you don't reach for anybody, and nobody's come. Well, I've witnessed, but I've witnessed, we'll keep witnessing. Come on. You're sowing the seed. If every one of you brought someone Sunday, your church would be almost full or full. Amen. 
It's normal for us. We, about 30 people. And there's been more services where there's more visitors than there are saints. And we don't have enough saints to pray with them. Now that's a good problem to have. Not enough saints to pray for the sinners. And that's the kind of problem God wants us to have, Brother Rick. This church. Tomorrow, you're in revival. God sent this young man to kick off revival. Tomorrow, we're going to bring in somebody. And let's see what happens Sunday. Amen, amen, amen. You other churches, we're going to bring in somebody out. This is what I told my congregation. You go out there, you reach the lost, you pray them through. You're going to end up being their Sunday school teacher, their outreach director. You're creating work for yourself, for the kingdom. Think about it. I would have never imagined the one that I witnessed to in high school would be pastoring the church that I invited him to. Witnessed the brother young in high school, and now he's pastoring the church I invited him to. And he preaches hard like this. You don't have very many friends. Jesus preached hard. Amen. A lot of the disciples left. He told Peter, he said, you going to leave too? He said, where can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. If you can't endure sound doctrine, you cannot be saved. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And that's where we are. That's where we are. Let's have revival in the Kansas City area the right way. Let's have it God's way. Amen. Let's have it God's way. Hallelujah. Lord bless you tonight. Love you. I don't care if you love me or not. The reason you better. You had the carnal people in, in you know, we used to have the carnal people to judge the church. And they'd mistreat the spiritual. And they say, you got to love me because you, you got to be saved. But what are they supposed to be doing? Yeah. They don't want to be saved. Amen. Lord bless you tonight. Now, you know, this service tonight, I've watched some of you ladies and some of you men and some of you didn't worship like Brother Ogle mentioned. And I saw two men standing there with their hands in their pockets like this on their, on their bell straps. 
Now, is that godly? No. Is this godly? No. Everybody say respect the house of God. Respect the house of God. Amen. Are you with me, saints? Yes, sir. Amen. Is he the king? Yes, he is. How are we supposed to act before a king? How are we supposed to conduct ourselves? We're supposed to show the highest respect and honor. These are young folks I'm talking to. You parents, I made my kids sit up in church and listen to the preaching. There was no playing around, no talking. Wait, raise your hand up, Sister Ross. She's still in the church. Helping to build the church in Kansas City. But I would not tolerate bad behavior in the house of God. You parents should not tolerate that. If you don't like this preacher, be honest now. Raise your hand. Brother Westbrook would say, how many of you like this kind of preacher? And what was his name? He used to raise his hand. Melvin. Melvin raised his hand. And brother would say, how many of you love me? And I'm asking you, how many of you love me? Raise your hand. Let me put your hands down. How many of you don't love me? Raise your hand. Now you're in the house of God, you can't lie. Y'all still love me? Even after this kind of teaching? Brother Oval, Brother Hill, tonight is better than partying on Kansas City. Getting drunk and getting high. Tonight is better than that.
less. So make up your mind that you're going to be faithful to God. Pray till you can't pray anymore. When you're praying for people at the altar. When you're doing this revival. You get tired of praying? We used, to, we used to have different crews, you know, during the prayer time in Junction Church. Two men praying, and uh, two standing back, and two praying gets tired, and then the two men standing back comes up, and the other two standing back. Amen. We used to shift teams, Brother Hill. Mm. Working in unity. The sinner don't have a chance. We will wear him or her out. You said, did we have fun? Yeah, we well, always all kind of fun. Amen. The Holy Ghost falls on somebody and the whole church starts shouting. You can see, you can see, it looks like a, a, a wave hitting the people. They're falling out. One guy was standing up against the wall like this, brother. Me. Some of them full of pride in there. They're standing up against the wall, you know, acting like they're so cool. And one guy started shouting. And he had his hands up like this, and his behind like that, and he started shouting backwards like this. And the guy that was standing against the wall, he saw him coming. And he slammed right into him, and the guy was had his glasses. Oh, we have fun. God wants you to make church fun. This is your life. Amen. And then there's humorous sides of it too. You know, when you, when you, some people got gas pockets. And when you're praying, we, 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 we have to teach the men, Brother Regan. You got gas, go to the bathroom. But some of them, hallelujah, praying with the sinner. Brother Regan, praying with the sinner. Hold your hands up. You're, you're a sinner. Praying with the sinner. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Then all of a sudden, you smell the air. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Brother King, remember Johnny King? Brother King looked at one of the brothers that did that, and he was praying with a sinner, and he looked at him like, No, you didn't. No, you didn't. And temporarily, the spirit is hindered. But the spirit, the spiritual ratchet it up and they overcome. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't it fun to live for God, church? Yeah. Yeah. What are you saying, Pastor Ward? Well, in the ark. It's better to be in the ark than to be out in the world in the storm. The ark stank. All them animals had to use the bathroom. It was musty in there. It was stinky in there. But they were safe. And they were in God's presence. 
Amen. <laughs> Preach it. What you got? Lord bless every one of you. But the Lord loves you. I want to see unity in Kansas City, and I want to see every church blessed with revival. shake your neighbor's hand and said, good being here with you, brother or sister. Hallelujah. Brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to let you go. We're going to let you go. We're going to let you go. Um, I'm starting to feel a Utica spirit on me. Don't take those shakes. I'm making sure to stay away from the window right now. Stay away from the shakes. And uh, we're going to let you go. I, I was just thinking, man, we have heard it all in this service tonight. Well, I, I was thinking that before Brother Ward got finished. I mean, he was winding down and I thought, you know, we have covered it from Genesis to Revelation. I thought, there ain't another thing that could be preached. And then he started talking about gas pockets. I said, well, I guess there is something else to talk about, but um, I don't know what this evangelist is going to find for Sunday, but that's why we better all bring sinners to church. They can preach Acts two thirty eight to a center. That's that's it always you always preach Acts two thirty eight to a center. Thank you all so much for coming. They they do have food downstairs. You uh, you give it another thirty minutes. You can say you hadn't eaten since yesterday, and um, that's sacrifice. Um, but they do have food downstairs, and and um, to the pastors, if you can stay around, pastors and their family, we've we've fixed up a little room. Where we could get in there and just fellowship, and and um, so if you folks could stay around, we'd love for you to do that, and we'll have a little fellowship there. Why don't we pray one more time and let's ask the Lord to bless the food and and bless our time of fellowship. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the good saints of God. Thank you for the ministry. Thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for the food we're about to partake of. We ask you to bless it, God. Bless our fellowship. Lord, grant us revival. Lord, motivate us to get out tomorrow and reach somebody for you. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. God bless you. And I said it before it finished in my head. I was like, oh my, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I think it's actually still running back there.